I'm Romano Georgi. Welcome to the Much Better You 3 in 15 podcast. This podcast packs three life-bettering, easy-to-grasp principles into weekly 15-minute episodes. These life hacks are designed to improve your mental, social, and financial health and wealth. Give the next 15 your full and undivided attention, for the much better you is waiting. Hello, and welcome to episode four of the Much Better You 3 in 15 podcast. I hope that this fourth week finds you keeping well and that you're now well and truly settled in and enjoying this new podcast. Test drive's over, but you just keep wanting more, don't you? As I record this episode four, episode one was recently released and I had some really nice feedback come in. So thank you so much for all that. It's really appreciated. The sound effects also seem quite popular too, so I'll stick with those for now. And finally, before we plunge in, I wanted to quickly tell you about some things that happened to me on my cycle ride into work this morning that made me reflect on two things. Firstly, random, I know, but I noticed that a cyclist in front of me had some really well-developed calf muscles. No, I'm not a weirdo, but this likely meant that like me, he regularly cycled to work. And I reflected on how his fitness was likely a welcome byproduct of his commute to work. So essentially, in doing one useful thing, commuting, another useful byproduct came crashing out, fitness and likely better health. And I think that this is reflective of life more generally, in that the more good stuff you do, oftentimes the better other things in your life will become also. The more you read, the smarter you will be. The better your quality of sleep or exercise, the better your mental health or the more manageable your stress levels. The more you listen to this podcast, the more popular I become. I mean, the much better you become. (laughs) Secondly, a split second after Calfgate, I was almost hit by a bus. And as I reflected on this near miss, I was nearly hit again, but this time by another cyclist coming the other way. So lesson two was... The conscious part of our human brains can only focus on one thing at any one time. For instance, no one can truly drive a car safely whilst having a virtual meeting on their smartphone. Multitasking is a myth. Instead, we switch our attention from one task to another task extremely quickly, which comes at the detriment of the original task, which, should we decide to return to later on, will take much longer to get back into. So basically, focus only on your immediate priorities, which in my case should have been safely navigating central London traffic. Anyway, in today's action-packed episode, bristling with pearls of wisdom, I shall give you some abundance mindset tips that shall save you from victimhood. We shall discuss dodging the red mist for the longer-term good, and we shall finish with one of the most important and powerful social engagement tools out there. Excited? Well, you bloody should be. Okay, unless you are busy partaking in a spot of road rage because you are unable to shift perspective as per my guidance of episode one, principle two, sit back, relax and plug in. This will feel a little weird.
Welcome to the Much Better You 3 in 15 podcast. Episode 4, Principle 1. Don't be a victim. Now, I've mentioned T. Half Ecker's book, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind, previously. But what I didn't tell you was that, in my humble opinion, this is probably the most powerful book I have ever read with regards to financial wealth mindset. And one of the main reasons that this book is so noteworthy is that its wealth principles have a much broader application than money wealth alone. A bit like the Much Better You 3 in 15 podcast. But anyway... In a nutshell, his book is a no-nonsense, easy-to-follow guide on how one should steer clear of the poor person's scarcity mindset in order to achieve the rich person's abundance mindset. Massive caveat alert. Poor or rich, as in mentality, not the amount of money we've got or our value to society. It just so happens that a poor mindset more often than not precedes financial weakness, whereas a rich mindset tends to precede financial success. Anyway, in one of his, what Ecker refers to as wealth files, he observed that rich people believe I create my life, whilst poor people believe life happens to me. Ecker says that if you want to create financial wealth, it is imperative that you take full responsibility for your financial life. Unfortunately, the poor mindsetted person chooses to play the role of the victim, and victimhood leaves three clues. Clue number one, blame. Victims blame the economy, the government, the stock market... They blame their manager, they blame their employees, they blame their partner, they blame their spouse, they blame COVID, they blame God, and of course they blame their parents. It's always someone or something else's fault, never theirs. Clue number two, justification. Justification. The victim may justify or rationalise their lack of money by saying such things as money is the root of all evil or money is not really important. As Eka rightly points out, if you tell your husband or wife that they are not important to you, would they hang around? No, and neither would money. And although love may make the world go round, it doesn't pay for the building of homes, churches or hospitals. It also doesn't feed anybody. Clue number three, complaining. Complaining. Eka believes that complaining is the absolute worst possible thing you could do for your health or wealth. Why? Because what you focus on expands. So by complaining, you are focusing on and expanding all that is wrong in your life. As I said previously, like attracts like. Negative attracts negative. Crap attracts crap. So you need to keep away from complainers. And if you're complaining yourself, you will find general success really hard to come by. So you need to work hard not being a complainer. And if you would indulge me... I'm going to ask you to do one of T. Harvecker's homework assignments that he says will change your life. For the next seven days, you will strive to not complain at all, not just out loud, but in your head as well, and for seven full days. Why? Because you'll be amazed how much better your life will be when you stop focusing on and therefore stop attracting crap into your life. And by the way, my own addition... If someone has done you wrong, addressing that to their face takes character and it takes integrity. Bitching behind their backs doesn't. Far easier said than done, but you know I'm right. 
From now on, as you begin to blame, justify or complain, try to cease and desist immediately. Remind yourself that you are creating your life. Don't be a victim. Episode 4, Principle 2. Pause, aim, fire. How many times have you reacted to a negative emotion in a way that shortly thereafter, in the cold light of day, you regretted it? Personally, I've lost count of the number of times that I've sent reactive emails to people that have subsequently burned bridges. Even after sometimes only a few hours even, once the anger, frustration or irritation has dissipated, I look at my sent items box and recoil in horror at what only a few hours before I deemed a completely reasonable and justified message. Too late. The bomb has landed. The damage has been done. And it ain't just emails. I've been in arguments where I've criticised somebody, then immediately regretted it afterwards. But Again, too late. The damage has been done. Any fool can criticise, condemn and complain. And most fools do. So what should we do when we find ourselves pissed off with others? I'll tell you what we should do. Pause. Put that harsh, unsent email into the drafts folder. Hold back from posting that corrosive letter and bite that emotional tongue before the fires of fury are unleashed. Two simple reasons why you should pause. Firstly, your mind is much less reasonable in its agitated state than in its calmer, more rational state, and thus you are less likely to consider the consequences of your outburst. Secondly, the inevitable resentment that criticism invokes in your friends, family, work colleagues, business associates still doesn't address the underlying cause. Instead, it alienates you. And assuming your bridges remain intact, you can expect several roadblocks ahead. Remember, we humans are not logical creatures. We are instead creatures of emotion, of pride, of ego. Now, don't get me wrong. Constructive feedback, when packaged appropriately, can sometimes land successfully to achieve the desired improved outcome. And I will cover this principle in future. But be warned, even the best intention to feedback can sometimes be misconstrued. Have you ever sat in an office, for instance, with somebody that, as part of a training course, has received anonymous 360 degree feedback from their peers? Well, I have, and I can tell you that it ain't pretty. For more often than not, most improvements suggested genuinely by peers are not received in the same spirit that they were intended. (laughs) Egos get bashed, personalities become defensive, and often the self-identified victim seeks to identify their anonymous Judases. Like I say, it ain't pretty. So, to come around full circle... If measured constructive feedback can do that to a seemingly rational human being, God help you if you send that email, post that letter or blurt out those words. Solution? Pause and come back a few hours or days later to that draft email or letter and reassess it through a more compassionate set of eyes. It is likely that either would need significant redrafting. Or gratefully reflect on how your self-control held your tongue back during that hot moment. So, to finish in Dale Carnegie's own words, instead of condemning people, let's try to understand them. Let's try to figure out why they do what they do. That's a lot more profitable and intriguing than criticism, and it breeds sympathy, 
tolerance and kindness. To know all is to forgive all. Pause, aim, fire. Episode 4, Principle 3. Remember names. When I was studying at UCL a long time ago, I used to regularly meet up with a friend at a coffee bar and we'd been mates for a couple of years. But for some strange reason, I never knew his name. Now, rather than asking him his name early on or checking with someone else that would know, I just let it slide. Until one day we were just chatting and I don't remember what I said, but he just looked back at me, bemused and said, you don't know my name, do you? Needless to say, I was embarrassed. I had offended him because I may as well have said to him that I don't care what your name is because you're not important to me. (gasps) Do not underestimate how someone's name is to that person the sweetest and most important sound in any language. Otherwise, why is it that public libraries or art galleries or museums owe their most impressive collections to rich donors who cannot bear the prospect of their names being forgotten after they themselves have long gone? Oh yes, the average person is far more interested in their own name than all the other names on earth put together. However, many of us are too busy or distracted to make the time or effort to remember someone's name, unless we believe there is direct benefit to us in doing so, which is a little bit sad and selfish really, isn't it? Yet, Time and time again, history tells us that many a successful business leader or politician or president has attributed a portion of his or her success to simply being able to remember other people's names in order to gain goodwill by making others feel important. Yet so few of us made the effort to do it well. Remember that name and say to that person easily and you pay the most subtle yet highly effective compliment. Forget it misspell it, or worse still, say the wrong name, and you will be at a serious disadvantage. You see, people don't care about how much you know. They care about how much you care. So whether it's for the purposes of business etiquette, international networking, or social networking, remembering names is a very important skill to have. Now, the wonderful Jim Quick's podcast, Quick Brain, lists seven quick tips to effectively remembering people's names, which I'm going to run through now. Jim says that before you go out to a social gathering or networking engagement, you should look in the mirror and say to yourself, I'm going to be suave. So the B in be suave stands for believe. All skills or habits are belief-driven, so never say I'm too old, I'll never be able to get good at remembering names, or anything like that. Believe you can, because you can. The first E in Be Suave stands for exercise. Now, while physical exercise feeds your brain, exercise here refers to practice remembering names. Perhaps you have a list of speaker names at a conference that you can try to commit to memory, for instance. The S in Be Suave stands for say it. When you meet someone for the first time and they tell you their name, say it back to them, oh hi Roger, so that you hear it twice. The U stands for use. Use the name in conversation three or four times in context. Don't go all repeat cycle like, hi Mary, nice to meet you Mary, what are you up to Mary, do you want a drink Mary? A stands for ask. Everyone loves talking about themselves, so if they have an interesting or unusual name, ask them about it. Where is it from? How do you spell it? Etc. 
The V in Be Suave stands for visualize. Our brains are much better at remembering faces than they are at remembering names. So try to see or visualize the name. If someone's name is Mark, imagine they have a big bright mark on their forehead. Or if his name is Mike, imagine him jumping on a table and singing karaoke into a microphone. (laughs) The crazier the visualization, the more likely you are to remember someone's name. And finally, the second E in Be Suave stands for end. Always end the conversation using that person's name. Nice meeting you, Christine. Remember names. So... Congratulations. You've made it to the end of episode four of the Much Better You podcast, in which I covered three principles in 15 minutes. These principles being don't be a victim, pause, aim, fire, and remember names. Please follow me on the social media handle 3 and 15 podcast and subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already done so. Plus, please check out my website, themuchbetteryou.com, where you can leave me feedback and suggest topics for forthcoming episodes. But please note that the first five episodes are pre-recorded. And of course, on the muchbetteryou.com website, you will find all the other cool stuff too, including episode downloads, episode transcripts, reference material, links to the music I use, plus loads of other free bonus material too. And finally, finally, this this week's closing statement that I would like to reflect on and then respond to on either the Much Better You website or the 3 and 15 Facebook group is, don't wait, the time will never be just right. I repeat, don't wait, the time will never be just right. Thank you so much for listening. Have an extraordinary week and I'll see you at the next one.